0: Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Josh Merkel, welcome to the Center of the Universe.
1: Great to be here. Excited to talk with you guys.
0: Yeah, for our casual listeners, they may not have any clue what the last few weeks have been like for you, or even the last few months. Um, I, I think I want to start there. Well, before we go there, we connected to you through Pedro. Randolph Macon's football coach and you are the the basketball coach and you have had quite the ride the last few years few months and, and a few weeks yeah do you want to talk about the last few weeks first you want to start there
1: yeah yeah I mean the first thing I think of is uh you know I'm, I'm a proud dad of, of three boys and uh, my wife's been holding it down all season and uh I think of our two and a half year old transitioning from crib to uh big boy bed and just um it's been it's been fun but it's been full and uh we got a six-month-old, and uh, so it's it would have been full no matter what. But um, you know, I think uh, juggling that uh, has probably been a good—I don't want to say distraction—but uh, it's been an awesome thing to uh, be keeping me busy.
0: It's super busy doing any job with three small children at home, but traveling like you do, mm-hmm. uh, and I imagine besides even out out of season, you're still traveling
1: a, a fair amount. Yep. Yeah, so she's keeping the homestead going. She is. And, and our, our mother in law moved to Ashland okay. uh, from, from Pennsylvania. Um, and so she lives in our neighborhood, which is amazing. And I don't know if we could be doing it without her being in town. Um, she's been awesome. So BB's in, and they, you know, her kids love, uh, love Grandma, love BB. Um, but yeah, so like this weekend, I'll go to Virginia Beach to recruit Friday, Saturday, and uh, she'll hold it down. And I don't know how she does it because I just had the three of them because she went into work for a couple hours. And uh, I was calling BB within five minutes saying, I need I need reinforcements. They're
0: exhausting. <laughs> yeah. They're absolutely exhausting. They're
1: awesome, but they're exhausting. Awesome. And the, my middle is already showing these tendencies. So when I pick up the six-month-old, he loses it. I mean, the, the, the six-month-old could be like ready to die, and the two-and-a-half-year-old could Does care less. Does not like, care at all. You better pick me up, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he, and he's the middle kid, too. The
1: middle. He's, yeah, it's
0: yeah. already. It's unbelievable. That's, that's going to uh, be more pronounced as he gets older, too. <laughs> Great, looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, saying that as a father of three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're lucky to have Bibi. You're absolutely lucky to have her in the neighborhood. All right, so you won the national championship. I, I will tell you, as a guy who grew up in Ashland, and I remember, I don't remember the Division Two Final Four that they had back in the late 70s, but I remember them making runs when I was a kid and when I was in my 20s. Uh, my, my mom uh, worked at randolph making uh, as a professor, huh. and so I've been to a Bunch of games. Randolph macons always had a, a good reputation for their basketball team, but since you've been there, it is really amped up. Uh, is it? I'll ask the big question up front: Is it more recruiting? How much of it's recruiting? How much of it is practice? How much of it is uh, strategy and scheme? Those sorts of things. How much of it is in-game coaching? I mean, give, mm-hmm. give us a good feel for the mm-hmm. how you think you guys have been successful. <laughs> which, by the way. You blew everybody out yeah. in the six games of the tournament, which has never happened before. You, you the average was what twenty?
1: I think it ended up being twenty three, maybe uh, twenty three points per I, game. <laughs> it's insane. Well, I will tell you, it's one hundred percent in game coaching. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, no, it's it, well. Number one, to gr- gratitude is the word. I think I'm grateful to be in that position to uh, to be able to finish the season after the last couple that we've had to stay healthy throughout the season. Uh, you know, Randolph Megan has the seventh most wins in Division Three history. Wow! Um, so, you know, they made that transition D two, and I think that's an important point to make too, because you had guys coming from Division Two scholarship level, super committed. You know, they're on scholarship. You know, kind of there to do a job, and then you make the transition. And I don't think we lost that committed player, um, that guy that's uh, going to do the extra, be a twelve month a year player, and. We've, had, we've been able to walk into standards, um, you know, set by coaches before us, right? Starting with Paul Webb, Hal Nunley, Mike Rhodes, who's still a mentor of mine, Nathan Davis. And I believe we've been able to compound and stack on the habits and the standards that have been built. Then you get a special player like Buzz. Uh, you know, we could say that that's a big piece of this thing. Um, special player like Miles Mallory, those two, you know, best point guard, best player forward or post on the floor hard to find those you know those positions point and post um and they've got a great chemistry both guys from maryland both played in the competitive league um you know we we've got committed and great role guys around them so this group just you know bought into their role became all-stars in their role uh we've got a good defense that uh and we've got learners we talk about the growth mindset so we watch a lot of film that comes from my days with beeline and just 15 minutes 15 clips and we talk about being a buzzsaw at the end of the year so that just we're just going to keep on getting better and better when you have the right guys with the growth mindset that play fearlessly that come to work that are committed uh, i'll tell you one great story is buzz started these Kurt axe workouts so this will give you a little insight into our team because we said you know we might be the team that beats ourselves, I think we have the talent to win it. But if we're not hungry, if we don't have a chip, then that's gonna trip us up. So, to, to describe the maybe the hunger, the work ethic, and our guys work hard and you know they're, they're putting the time in, but everybody is, everybody has sure. a preseason, everybody's lifting weights, everybody's playing pickup. It's we'd say it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And so, Buzz, even as a freshman, starts doing these six weeks of the preseason. Kurt, uh, he didn't call him that at the time. Uh, Kobe workouts, what he called him at the time, Mamba mentality. And what he had learned from Kobe is that he would get three workouts in between team workouts. So we'd lift Friday at 5, we'd play Saturday morning in the preseason. So Buzz would then come in 9 o'clock Friday night, he'd come in 2 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, he'd come in 8 a.m. Saturday morning, and then we would play. So he's getting three workouts to build this mental edge. He'd invite the guys, he'd tell them about it. Nobody would make all three, you know, when Buzz was a sophomore. Uh, he'd have some guys come at that nine o'clock he'd have a guy maybe coming at that 8 a.m nobody's coming all three you know guys are like you're crazy what, what do you think so then he does it as a junior and same thing but going into this year well even senior year he had made, he had more guys let's say going into fifth year this year we had 11 guys for the six weeks of the preseason 2 a.m 2 30 a.m are in the gym in crenshaw you know, half of them are sleeping in the locker room to get through those workouts. And it just kind of shows you, so now you got 11 guys that are doing more than what other schools are probably doing. It helped us build an edge to, to, to our team.
0: There's no way, uh, more than one or two schools are doing something like that. I I can't imagine you guys may have
1: been the only ones. And with that many guys. So maybe you have a couple guys at each program. Sure. But, but even then I'm not so sure because you know, I played four years. No, no one on my team was doing that. And, uh, Anytime I've told the story, no one's saying, "Oh yeah, we got guys doing that." So <laughs> it, it, it speaks to the power and the courage that Buzz had to, to be different. To you know, because a lot of times when you step out like that, players are going to pull you back in. Right. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And uh, he he's always been. Uh, I say, you know, Buzz is signed with an agent. He's going to go play overseas. But he has been a pro since his freshman year with his approach his goal setting, his discipline, an absolute pro. And so a lot of players will come in, even our level, you'd be surprised. They want to keep playing. They want to play pro. I said, okay, that's great. Um, But they don't want to have a pro mindset until their senior year, until it's like really, you know, they want to do what every other college kid is doing, don't want to separate themselves. Buzz has had this disciplined mindset that has uh, been contagious, and other guys have seen it, and a couple other guys have stolen from it, and it's been huge for our program.
0: Well, I, I will have to tell you, I heard a lot about Buzz, uh, and I had not been to a regular season game this past season, and shame on me, I should have. I was fortunate enough to go to the uh, quarterfinal game, the last home game in, in the Double A tournament, and I had never seen Buzz before. And your team comes out, yep. and I'm 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 not going to ask people around who which one's Buzz. I'm going to try to figure <laughs> out which one Buzz is, and I couldn't figure it out. I finally had to ask. I'm like, which one's Buzz? They're like, the 5'10 guy with the yep. beard. I'm like, yep. that's Buzz? I thought he was going to be like five inches taller and doing alley-oop dunks and warm-ups kind of yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, how cool is that when you think about 5'10? You think about all the players that say, I'm too small. Let's take campers. Um, and I always remind them, the most impactful player on the floor in, in just about every game we've played. You know, I mean, I think back to his five years. There may be a handful of games he hasn't been the best or most impactful player on the floor, and he's doing it in a five ten frame. You know, incredible athlete though. Surfer growing up. Um, both parents are coaches. Like, just a unique story. And um, but a but a unbelievable competitor. Like, if he he would want to beat you at everything, spike ball, ping pong, whatever it is,
0: any competition. Like Michael Jordan uh, throwing quarters up against the wall. He,
1: he's kind of uh, right? I mean. <laughs> He he may not remember the story this way but we were playing ping pong to kill some time before a game uh, or before practice one day at Gettysburg. And I swear and I'm paying attention because we would switch sides after every win. So, you know, he wins, uh, he's a good ping pong player. I thought I was good, but he's beating me. And he beats me like 4-1 and I know because we've changed sides every time. But he's like, "No, it was 6-1, coach." And I'm like, <laughs> "Buzz, do I need to count it out for you?" And like, so I'm like, "Remember we started the game here and like and he's like, a little re- okay okay fine five one but he was like <laughs> I'm like this guy no wonder our guys are getting upset with his competitive nature but um, yeah he's, he's just he's wired that way
0: well he's he's physically talented clearly uh, he's competitive to the point you just made uh, but he also is very, very disciplined, which I I assumed he was fairly disciplined, but I didn't realize it was to that level.
1: Yeah, yeah. Film watcher. Uh, you know, I remember going back on the bus his freshman year, and he's pulling up an NCAA website that basically only coaches know about. And I'm like, how, how do you even know about this website? So, you know, just he came to us because he wanted to be a coach. He turned down some schools and – uh you know he's just gotten so good that he's going to have an opportunity to play, but he'd be a phenomenal coach when he when he goes that way as well.
0: Sounds like that's what he's wanted to do since he was little, man. Yeah. yeah, All right, let's let's talk about you growing up. Where did you grow up?
1: Frederick, Maryland. Yep. Um, born and raised. Well, I say Walkersville, Maryland, Frederick County, uh, but born and raised in Maryland. My uh, my mom played at University of Maryland. Okay. So we lived in College Park for a little bit. My dad was a professor there, also worked with the football team. That's where they met, and then. Uh, my mom always wanted to have a big family. She's coaching at the University of Maryland. When she gets pregnant with me, she was in year three and uh, had me, and then retired from coaching and uh, had eight kids after that. So I'm the oldest of nine. Oh my gosh! Dad bought a, a farm, and not that we're farmers, but he bought farmland. That was part of his dream. You needed the land for all <laughs> all, all eleven land. people, yeah. Um, and he had a, he he was awesome about uh, farm business. Uh, we had a corn business. That taught us, you know, value of work ethic. And so we irrigated and weeded and, picked got, up, the corn got, up and it, got up early, got up early, yeah. pick a hundred dozen on a Saturday morning, sold it by the side of the road. Wow. Um, did that for a bunch of summers. So had, had a great childhood. I would say won the parent lottery. Both parents still live both living on the same farm that we grew up. Um, and, uh, and then my, my siblings are all over the place for in in, on the West Coast, but two actually, I don't know if this would come up. But Marta went to Randolph making played for Coach LaHaye okay. uh, was on that national championship, or the team that played in national championship game. She was a starter. Oh, nice uh, on that team. And then my brother Job came as a result of Marta's, you know, having a great experience. And Job played tennis and soccer for Randolph Macon as, okay. as well.
0: Yeah, uh, so it's a, kind of a family affair. That's for right, Randolph that yeah. yeah. uh you mentioned LaHaye, She was. Uh, very well known as being a fantastic basketball coach, uh, at ran off making. It's a shame she never won a national championship, but
1: they were right there. They uh, were right there in that game. It's heartbreaking. it yep. so. Yep. All
0: right. So, how how many years older are you than the youngest of, of nine?
1: Eighteen. Okay. Eighteen yeah. years. Eh, yeah. math works out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's still a pretty big uh, gap.
1: She had seven kids in the first eight years of their marriage. I, I can't even <laughs> fathom it now that we got three. It's like,
0: yeah. Oh, that's. Oh, hold on. That's. That's not BB. BB's your wife's mom. Yeah,
1: right, right, right. Does your mom come down and help? She does, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, she um, she's unbelievable with the kids, but there's nothing like raising your own kids. So it's, uh, you know, she poured a lot into us.
0: I can't imagine raising nine children. What what was the one thing she was best at?
1: Um, I mean, she's, uh, even now, she she has a passion for living, for life, for kids. She loves kids. Um, I mean, it was just, She, um... Yeah, she, she's great with babies, but she loves hoops, I, I will say, too. So she was playing into her 60s in a women's league, senior Olympics. Oh, wow. So the passion for athletics, certainly. My dad's not the best athlete, um, unbelievable worker, hardest worker I ever met, but my mom uh that's where a lot of our love a lot of uh i mean i think six of the nine played college athletics mm. and so we just we saw how much she loved it i saw how much she loved it and i always wanted to be you know kind of tagged along watched her in the gym she taught me how to shoot uh you know they built the basketball court for us and took a lot of shots uh there at the house
0: yeah that's really cool all right so when did you know you were gonna love basketball how old were you
1: uh i, I was i was young um my dad tells a story that I was watching TV. I saw my first NBA game. I might have been six years old, and I turned to my dad and I said, "Dad, I didn't know guys played basketball." Like that's oh, because your mom Yeah, I, yeah, it was paying that's attention great. to my mom. Yeah, um, but I, I knew that I wanted to coach. It was my ninth grade year. I played for a great high school, uh, nationally ranked high school, St. John's Prospect Hall. Freddie Maryland just got lucky um, that they were as good as they were, and that's where I ended up going. But I, my JV assistant coach, Kevin Sutton. Unbelievable. Inspired me. Had a great influence on me. And I remember my first game, that JV freshman year, and just he's giving the pregame talk. And I still remember sitting in an English classroom and saying, that's what I want to do. I want to be a high school coach when I grow up.
0: So you knew when you were 14, 15 years old.
1: Uh, That's what I thought. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, here you are. just won a national championship. (laughs) Yeah. You're national coach of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... You couldn't have fathomed that when you were that young.
1: No, I mean no. You know, you, you just well, you're thinking about playing in, in, in the NBA or coaching. Uh, well, and I did. I always wanted to be a high school coach. I did that for three years, and um, the opportunity came to, to move to college and be a GA and work for John Beeline. So mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, you know, just the awesome opportunity there, and just have been super fortunate to work with the people and be at some of the places I've been. Um, it's, it's really helped shape me and influence the coach that I am. So
0: you played, uh, division three college?
1: Played at Salisbury division three. Okay.
0: Cause, yeah. Cause Randall make it play Salisbury sometimes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. And they- even
1: when I was there as a head coach for years, I brought my team up and we played Nathan's team because okay. I had worked for Nathan. So yeah, uh, I know, you know, baseball, they do it. Um, you know, a number of sports.
0: Were you, uh, like a high school stud in basketball?
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I was uh, I was the underdog, uh, the guy that showed up for every workout, the guy that was, uh, you know, it, it was. When I say nationally ranked, they were, we were seventh in the country my junior year, and I didn't play at all. I was on the team. Um, eight guys go on to play Division One. Uh, I mean, we were we were loaded and a little bit unique. Um, we didn't just get guys from the area, but we had guys from all over the country, uh, from Spain, from Africa. Um, number of guys living with our head coach, number of guys living with the assistant coach. It was a little bit different deal. Yeah. Um, so I could have transferred, going to a public school, probably had a little bit more uh, recognition, better career, stuck it out, uh, just said, hey, I, I know I'm getting the best here. I know I'm developing and um, got some minutes my senior year. We were second in the country my senior year. We lost one game. So I will say that that foundation, though, of commitment, 12-month-a-year program, Iron Sharpens Iron, competitive environment don't run from a challenge a lot of uh you know who i've become and how i recruit guys stems from you know the lessons i learned in high school
0: yeah when uh you're playing every day in practice against guys that are on the second best team in the country it's going to make every kid better on the team
1: it it kicked it kicked my butt i mean talk about humbling talk about you know so i can relate to guys that are struggling going through those hard times trying to you know earn their role Uh, i can certainly relate to that part and then um I was able to earn more meaningful role minutes in my, my college career, yet we didn't win at the same level. So, you know, I'd, I'd much rather, you know, win and be a part of those winning teams than have the stats and not have that great team success. Did you uh, get
0: recruited by Salisbury?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was recruited by a lot of D3s. And um, I know I got a letter from Macon and just kind of didn't look into Virginia enough. Uh, but even at that time, oldest of nine. You know, didn't, like my parents, they, they didn't take me on a single, I take that back. My dad drove me to some visits in Pennsylvania, but uh, most of my, like when I drove to Salisbury and checked out Salisbury and Washington, I mean, I was driving myself and, uh, you know, now you got parents driving them to all the different, so my, my deal was a little bit different being the oldest of nine.
0: Well, uh, you're a little bit younger than me, but given your age and yeah. the fact that you're the first child, I'm a first child, Silent Rob's the first kid, we were the experimental children for the family that parents learned yep. by, by doing or not doing with us and That's got, right. got better by the time. Number, number nine had it made by the time they, <laughs> your parents got the number <laughs> like nine. Whatever
1: you want to do, yeah, yeah we'll support, yeah. So uh, why Salisbury? Um, it definitely, so I, I made a deal with my dad, long story short, that if I didn't get a scholarship, I would pay for college. Salisbury was the cheapest option. Um, it also was coming off in Elite Eight. It was three hours from my home. Um, and is I, and is it private or public? Public. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Public. So, you know, in some ways made sense, uh, you know, 30 minutes from the beach that, that you know, didn't hurt things. Uh, but I really wanted to have a great career. I wanted to be a um, Catholic recruited me the hardest. They won a national championship what would have been my senior year. But cost-wise, way too expensive. Oh, well, Just, just expensive. couldn't afford it yeah. uh, over Salisbury. So that's where I ended up. So
0: that's, it's a great decision. It ended up working out for you.
1: Ended up working out. Like, love my guy, you know, my teammates, some of my best friends, guys in our wedding. Um, but, it, you know, like anything. Like, and again, challenges there. Um, really struggled not winning at the level that we won in high school. Not having maybe as many as committed guys. Um, but, you know, find, find a way to add value. Find a way to make this – my team if i could junior senior year and kind of you know just although we didn't win at the level i would have liked we did beat the national champs on their home floor nice. um last team to beat them um but you know that that's one regret i have i tell i share this with our guys all the time i did not i did not make the ncaa tournament as a player uh, i was very fortunate to start making it as a coach west virginia eastern kentucky Randolph, you know all the places that i've been as a coach salisbury too um, but didn't get there as a player, and that uh, you just yeah you don't get it back.
0: And you were starting your last couple of years.
1: I did, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you the captain? Uh, you- I was. I was captain, uh, definitely my senior year. You know, that's more when they did it. Like you know, they'd only nominate the captains right, and right. seniors and things right, like right. that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I, you know, being the oldest, and I, you're kind of in a leadership position without even knowing it. So um, you know, I was definitely heavy. I've never hesitated challenging the process, speaking up, um, you know, being a leader in that way. Probably have rubbed some people, you know, have, have learned, um, you know, how to round the edges and, and be a little bit better. S- sometimes it's
0: fine to expose edges. Sometimes it's maybe not. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, all, it's all about what's really important in, in that moment. Yeah,
1: and who's receiving it, too, and, and, you know, what type of relationship you have with those guys and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: T- tons of basketball
0: for you, obviously, your entire life. I mean, yeah. age of six, Learn that men play basketball. Uh, and, and you've been all about basketball ever since. Yep. Is there anything else besides family, besides mm-hmm. work and going to uh, school? Was there anything else, hobbies or interests that you had
1: outside mm. of basketball? Mm. Man, it is, uh, you know, I love to be active. I would say, you know, whether it was lifting, now I'm, I've taken up running a little bit more. Um, reading, I, I am a big reader. I, lo- I love reading to, uh, you know, work on getting all of our guys to just be uh, dive into that. Readers are leaders, learners are earners. Uh, I know Pedro being a big reader, we share books all the time. Um, but that's it, pretty boring, man. Never picked up golf, um, you know, play, played a little poker here and there, but uh Have no time for any of it, basically. Even for the book reading with the with the kids right now.
0: I don't think it's boring at all. Uh, Basketball for me has been my favorite sport my entire life. I have not been exposed to nearly as much as you've been exposed to, but I love the game. Why do you love the game so much?
1: Whew! Yeah. Um, I mean, indoor sport. I, I think about that sometimes with some of those elements and seeing those teams, or maybe you know, think games being canceled, and I'm always like grateful that you know this is uh not necessarily happening to us you know that winter time um it's also like instead cuz sometimes people go through maybe seasonal depression let's say and sure. i've always said man you know this is this is such an exciting time i'm thankful for this gift of basketball because i'm energized as we get into the season it's always given me something to do i love being a part of a team um i i like the size of it you know I, I don't know how pedro and football coaches do it 100 plus um for us that that 15 to 18 uh Going on a journey with that group of guys is um, has been perfect. But yeah, just the, you know the grit, the resilience, all the life lessons that, that you learn through athletics. For me, um, you know it's one of those it's one of those sports too that I could work on on the farm. You know, shooting on our pavement for hours without anybody around. Right.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that you can get better at by yourself. Yeah, and it's unusual. Most team sports require at least one other person. That's right. Football,
1: yeah. you're you're somebody's passing, somebody's catching. Yeah. And even the elements too, you know, lacrosse, they can go out there and they, they can hit against the wall, but, um, you know, you're going to be battling the elements at some point.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I've always liked basketball because it's continuous until the referees mess it up by blowing the whistle. <laughs> but it's a continuous game. Right, I, I like right, the continuous right. motion of the game. I like the fact that it's horizontal and vertical. Uh, I like that you can bring a certain skill set, and usually a coach can find a spot for you based mm-hmm. on that skill set. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and you're, I, I think you and Buzz are both lucky to have met each other, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, thanks for saying that. Uh, I will say you probably answered that question better than I could have in terms of what I like about the game. I was just like, I, I like the game. I love it. Yeah. Um, But I, I would say if I had to boil it down, like it's been the perfect marriage of a coach and a point guard. And, uh, I mean, our, our personality is probably pretty well suited. I can't even remember like getting in an argument with that guy, which is unique because he's pretty – you know, um, iron-willed, and uh, it's just been a good partnership from day one. Um, you know, we're, we're going to miss that guy. He's he's taught me so much, you know, made me such a better coach. And I think, you know, your best players teach you what you don't know. He's taught me a lot, and, um, yeah, it's it's been awesome.
0: That's cool. All right, so you got to uh, be a GA with b How did you end up hooking up with b for that well, staff?
1: I got got lucky. Be, I, I, I got to see him Cleveland Cavs training camp not too long ago. And, uh, you know, we were joking. And I always say, you know, I know you, I was your 10th choice. And he's like, Josh, you have no, you were like my 15th choice. Like he, <laughs> he doubles down on it. So I was the uh, assistant, well, I was a head JV coach, assistant varsity coach at Prospect Hall where I played. Okay. Um, Bruce Kelly, the head coach at the time, had a relationship with Jeff Neubauer who was an assistant in West Virginia at the time. Um, Jeff had come down to speak at our camp, high school camp. And I'm a JV coach newbauer's a great offensive coach i just grab him we talked for an hour and um he's like you know uh have you thought about college i said i haven't really thought about college he said we will have a ga opening up next year but stay in touch with me so i'd email him after every game nothing crazy you know maybe ask him a question or two and sure enough when that uh, current ga spot was up they invite me up to interview Mm. and uh i think they were trying to get a current uh, or a former player but a lot of those guys have been playing overseas and so it didn't work out and um I guess the interview went well, met with all the assistants. And uh, I think they liked the fact that I was a little older, 25 year old GA versus maybe right out of school. Uh, I know Beeline love the fact that I was single and, and wasn't going to be, you know, that wasn't going to be an issue in terms of um, time away uh, from hoops. And uh, so I, I was fortunate. It was supposed to be a two year deal. We go to the Elite Eight, we have an incredible year, uh, have an incredible run. And Jeff Neubauer. The uh, coach I mentioned gets the head job at Eastern Kentucky and brings me with him. So you okay. know, five years at Eastern Kentucky in the OVC, being an assistant coach, learned a lot. So you were a GA for one year and the- one year. Got my PhD in coaching. Got B-Line's blessing. I basically wasn't even going to go to him with the opportunity, and Jeff called me, said, "Hey, would you?" I said, "I gave Coach a two-year commitment," and he said, "Well, what if I talk to him?" I said, "If you talk to him, that's uh, I, you know, talk to him and see what he says." And uh, and then line brought me in the office. He said, "Josh, there's no way I, I can't get you a better opportunity." A year from now, you know, this is a guy that I trust. He's going to make you an assistant. You know, you're going to be 26 years old assistant in the OVC, which is a good level. You got to take it. I said, if you want me to take it. So sight unseen and, you know, drove to Kentucky probably within the weekend. And so Beeline sounds
0: like an awesome dude.
1: Unbelievable. What was it like working with him? Hall of Fame coach. I would say Hall of Fame person. Um, I there's some coaches that when you're around them, you, you can't even explain why they're so good. i just say they have it and, and coaches. Never been an assistant, you know, so I'm there with them. And one, of you know, 30, I don't know, his 34th season, whatever it was, just had a great way about him. Um, it, it, we're watching film every day. His basketball knowledge, you know, he's he's forgotten more basketball that I could even talk about. Um, but he was so good with the guys. I, I just remember getting off the plane. We had a tough loss. And, you know, you charter plane back and it's two in the morning and we're, you know, plane to the bus and bus to the gym. And now we're, I mean, everybody's exhausted. It's 2.30. And Luke Bonner, our freshman big at the time, played like three, four minutes. And I, I just always remember Beeline is is up and he just gives Luke like, Luke, that was an unbelievable tap back rebound you had today. And this is after a loss, 2.30 in the morning. And it's just resonated with me. He would always have the right message right time just really knew how to bring out the best and maximize you know an individual but also within the team he was really good with building around franchise guys but getting other guys to not turn it over i mean that's one thing we do now that directly from him get guys that can you know you can recruit shooters but you can also develop them and then just not turning the ball over don't beat yourself
0: yeah uh beeline uh sounds like an optimist an always positive kind of guy and I, you tell me, was, mm-hmm. was he optimistic, mm-hmm. always positive, or was it more? He knew what to say in the moment.
1: Yeah, I, he's definitely he's positive. He's fun to be around. Uh, he can crack some jokes. Um, I don't want to say realist, but but you know he 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 can definitely um, he's just even keeled. You know, not too high, not too low. Um, and a great teacher. Like the first word I would use is he's a teacher of yeah. the game. You know, he's not gonna, you know, he's not cursing guys. He's developing, he's helping you learn. I mean, that team at West Virginia, it's unbelievable what guys are doing. Where Dior Fisher was a long time pro. He's now with the New Orleans Pelicans, um, as a developmental coach, player development. Mike Gansey is the GM of, the uh, uh, assistant GM Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Um, you know, his son Beeline was, was a head coach. Uh, Frank Young is now an assistant. Like I could go, Darius Nichols is the head coach at Radford. um, Uh, the manager hamlet tibbs is an assistant at vermont Uh, Mm. another manager was with the lakers for so i mean i I could keep going down the line but there's like 10 of those guys and i think what it was is he recruited guys that loved the game and and also growth mindset wanted to learn and you just had a bunch of guys that loved it
0: that's really really cool uh yeah, you're, you're very lucky to have spent that uh, season or that year with yeah, B-Line. Yeah.
1: And, and then he even extended because Newbauer had worked with him for 12, 13 years, worked together at Richmond. So he was, a, he was a big extension, very different personalities, but still an extension. We were doing a lot of the same things and drilling a lot of the, the same way. Um, but he, he, he did a Zoom with our team, you know, as we were going through COVID. Uh, I know it was one of the favorites of our guys. He knew our team. Like, he knew the guys. He did his homework. You know, he he has humble beginnings and Division three roots. He was a D three head coach. He was a D two A coach. He was a JUCO head coach. So he, um, I think he opened it with, uh, you know, you guys are. I don't know how exactly he phrased. It. I have to go back to my notes. I always have a nervous like. You guys don't realize how good you are. You guys could be playing at Division 1, you know, a lot of you guys if you wanted to and I'm like, "Coach, this is not how I want to get this thing started." <laughs> but his point was um one of, one of his main points was there are very few college athletes that make it all four years regardless of level. Oh yeah. You have a lot of guys that just don't make it. We all know cuz you know, you've been there too. And uh it's a great point. It's it's we say those who stay will be champions, but it is not easy. And I think it says a lot about, you know, the the people that, that, you know, there's reasons why you wouldn't do it. But it says a lot about the guys that can stick it out because it it can be a grind. It can be hard.
0: Yeah, especially when you're doing it year-round. Yep, and you're trying to be a student as well. Yeah, because yeah, Division three, there's no like special compensation
1: for a Division three kid yeah. for school, and, and even the status. You know, you're not going to have the same status that uh, you know some of these guys are getting at the Division one. And I coached there for six years in Division one. I. Um, I, I wouldn't trade my my Division three roots, those, those underdog roots, for for anything. And I think. I feel bad in some ways because, uh, you know, you do so much. I don't want to say enable at that level, but you do so much for those guys. You got such big staffs, like you almost need something to do. And, uh, it can take away from them solving problems on their own, taking ownership for their development. I'm talking about that division one level. And, um, you know, Our guys are lucky in that sense.
0: Adversity and struggle are very important to uh, building strong uh, basketball players, strong citizens, yep. strong you name the the, the noun. Yep. Uh, and Division Three is probably a better path for folks long-term.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, no disrespect to any that have well, done I mean, it mean, you, you go to the NBA
0: make a bunch of money, great, but yep. I
1: don't, I'm not sure you've developed as a person maybe the way you would yep. have coming through Division III. I think there's a lot of benefit to – as we know, we, we, you know most of our great lessons were through some failure or things that we figured out on our own. And at our level, since we can't be as hands-on, these guys do have to – if you get the right guys and you build the right environment, they can solve problems on their own a lot.
0: Yeah, and they're better off for it. Yeah. All right, uh, fondest memory from Eastern Kentucky.
1: Ooh, uh, we we um – We had a couple good teams, a couple great runs. Uh, I would say probably playing UNC, we were the 16th seed. We won the OVC tournament, probably winning the OVC tournament. But then, um, you know, that whole week, how excited the community is uh, that you're going to play. And we were the 16th seed playing the one seed UNC um, when they had uh, a great team. Uh, Tyler Hansbrough and company. Yeah, blue bloods. Um, yeah, the yeah. blue bloods. So we were down. I remember being down big in that game and like looking at the scoreboard and saying, "Man, I'm not looking up at this scoreboard again." Uh, but we made a run, cut it to six, oh. and that that was super exciting. And Roy Williams over there still calm as can be, pretty much the whole time. I don't think he broke a sweat.
0: He's pretty calm and
1: cool. cat. there's <laughs> no question.
0: Yeah. I've, I've physically been in his presence one time, uh, Dallas Airport uh, shuttle to the rental car area. And he's not a big guy. No. At all. No.
1: Yeah. I was shocked by that. Yeah. Big golfer and, and, a, and a good guy. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, all
0: right. So Eastern Kentucky to then Salisbury?
1: No. Eastern Kentucky, non-traditional move. I, um, after five years there, felt like I wanted to be a head coach, Division three level. And really didn't, uh, there, were, there was a process where I didn't even get an interview uh, at Marymount because I was a division 1 assistant. They only interviewed D3 guys. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at this saying man I played D3, but ADs are not I'm not even getting an interview because being Isn't at the division 1 level. It's weird. Well, it's you know, yeah, I mean depending on who it is. Yeah. Um I think some of them like that you had that experience, but if you're in it they may look at it like, well he's he's just doing it and then he's going to leave or whatever it is. So I made the move voluntarily. Um And I knew J.D. Byers, who was the assistant to Nathan Davis at Randolph-Macon at the time. He and I are close. And um, J.D. had called me, just randomly called me that day and said, you know, hey, I'm taking the job at St. Francis. And uh, we had talked a little bit about, you know, he said, would you be interested in this spot? I said, yes, I would. Um, He said, I'll talk to Nathan. I'll see what he's thinking. And, uh, you know, basically Nathan had a couple guys in mind, and I I was one of them. He brought me to campus. I hadn't met Nathan before that. Um, Knew Mike Rhodes really well. Mike and Nathan were close. Mike put in a good word for me. And, um, you know, so made that move from Eastern Kentucky to, I say, the only coach in the country to, to voluntarily go from D1 to D3 as an assistant and make that move. Um, but told Nathan I would be there for two years. I wanted to learn, you know, how to do it. Like if I did get a head job, it would be an awesome way to learn by being at Randolph-Macon. Because remember, my college, Salisbury, we weren't as good as, as I wanted to be. And, I, you know, I learned a lot of things from Randolph-Macon, the culture, the the behaviors, the environment that they had set up. Um, You know, exposed me to some things that I didn't know about, didn't know that you could do. So, um, told him I would be there for two years. He said, unless your alma mater comes open and they hire you. Okay. And then sure enough, one year in, Mm. alma mater opens. uh, The only job I interviewed for that that year and, um, you know, happened to get it and I was there for four years before coming back.
0: We have a bit of a theme uh where you have a two year commitment and ends up <laughs> right only last half of that time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so now Randolph right making seven years, seven seasons. This is the, the longest I've been in any spot.
0: Yeah, it begs the question, like you have to have attention from other programs, uh Everybody's looking for lightning in a bottle. Hey, maybe Josh can come here and, and do the same thing he's done at Randolph-Macon. I'm not going to ask you any of those questions because, look, I, I want you to stay at Randolph-Macon until <laughs> you retire. Um, and so I'm not going to wish that into the universe. But I, I imagine yeah. you're getting some attention. Uh, Salisbury, fondest memory from being there.
1: Yeah, I w- let my last year there, so year four, um, and had to do some heavy lifting. They'd only won one conference championship in the history of the program. Hard to believe because they've got great success in a lot of other sports. Um, but in year four, uh, 21 and 21-8, uh, we win the – CAC Championship, we beat a really good CNU team. We get to cut down the nets in front of our home crowd and then go to the tournament, win a game in the tournament, lose in the second round. But uh, I would say winning it there, being a player there, and then to be able to take that team back first time since 90, uh, I think it was 99 that they had been to the tournament. Is that right? Maybe 97. It's been 21 years. It's been a long time since they had been to the tournament. So it was pretty special.
0: Yeah. And uh, you, you, Took over a program that was not doing super well, and then you're making the tournament and, and you win your conference for the first time in a long time, uh, and you win a game in the tournament. How did you do that in such a short time frame?
1: And I'm, I'm, it was more say, than just you, but you were a big Yeah, part Yeah, yeah. Um, how do we do it? Well, we got some good players. You know, you're able to get some transfers, so we were able to get some, some older guys, but also built it through quality uh, young guys and freshmen and just um i don't know the the uh we had talented guys that bought in that that started putting in the work um and got better as the year went on so even at 21 and 18 i believe we started the season three and six and then finished 17 and two it was something like that Mm. um where we even had our best player uh struggle academically and just wasn't all in and you know we're growing through these pains and then when he left the team it was like our team was able to take off other guys emerged and um you know, credit to those guys. We only had two seniors on that team, mm. and um, you know, left it in great shape. That team won even more the the following year, um, while we struggled a little bit at, at Randolph making my early years.
0: Yeah, and so you came back to making because you had serious ties to making. The job comes open, yep. uh, and it was a no brainer for you.
1: I wouldn't say no brainer, you know, hard to leave your alma mater. I, I had kind of envisioned myself maybe retiring there at Salisbury, oh, wow. you know, winning that championship there. Um, met my wife there. She was working in higher ed. She was, she was working at Salisbury at the time as well. Uh, she was pregnant with our first, um, but the, the the tradition of the program, having been there and knowing how serious they are about basketball, it was something I was wrestling with. I, I don't think they were as committed about basketball at Salisbury, and I, I'm struggling with that at the, at the time. Sure. So... Um, the commitment, the, 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 the leadership, you know, President Lindgren, who I got to know when I was an assistant, Jeff Burns, who I certainly got to know as an assistant, um, love the alignment of the leadership, uh, love the community support and uh, love the area and, and felt like it was a great place to be recruiting too. And, um, you know, so it was a family decision, too. I felt like, man, my wife on the Eastern Shore for the next 30 years, she may not be as excited about that as us retiring there as I am.
0: Yeah, uh, we're in Ashland, which is just north of uh, Richmond. And I tell people all the time, we're a couple hours from the beach. We're a couple hours from D.C. You're an hour and a half from the mountains. Like, what's not to like about living in Central Virginia?
1: Yeah, and a lot of opportunities, too. You got three colleges, you know, with VCU and Richmond, her being in higher ed. Um, So, you know, it it wasn't an easy decision. I think it was the right decision. And it it certainly wasn't easy. You know, they say those big life changes, you know, change jobs. Both of us changed jobs. She, you know, went from working to not working, having a baby and making a move we did all of them at the same time there when when we did it yeah
0: that's a ton and you mentioned uh richmond and vcu the city of richmond richmond metro i i would say as a guy from here it is known more for basketball than it is any other sport
1: that's especially at the collegiate level yeah great point no i mean they've got great uh and certainly you know our connection uh, with the VCU program and Mike Rhodes and Jamal Brunt and all those guys, JD Byers that are over there now, yeah. um, has been really neat too. You know, the ability to go over there, learn from those guys. Uh, Rhodes has been over, talked to our team. You know, been over to Crenshaw. Uh, so of Jamal and JD. So you know, we're, we're really fortunate to be where we're at.
0: And I don't think either one of us meant to keep uh, Virginia Union out of the conversation. They have a very rich uh, history, and, and the program has yeah. been fantastic. Well, and, for a long and Virginia
1: time. State's been doing great too. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah, I mean, yeah we could go on and on with the list, but yeah,
0: very cool. All right, so. You mentioned recruiting earlier. What is recruiting like for you out of season? Because
1: you're okay. recruiting all year, yeah, all year yeah, round. Yeah, as but- you know, three sixty five. Um, it just changes. I would say it just changes what class you're recruiting. So we have finished the 2022 class, um, but but you're you know you're building your list um, for us. Okay, uh, what one way I could say it is, if we were going to bring in eight guys in a class, then to get we've kind of developed a system where if you're going to bring in eight, you want to bring in eighty good players to campus you know get a yield of if you bring 80 good ones you're going to get one out of 10 so to get 80 good players to campus you're bringing in
0: 80 kids every year
1: the year that we brought in eight two years ago we brought in 76 visits wow of good players I, i would say legit good player you know felt like they were above the line type guy. now when we bring them there there's some guys and pedro does the same as is not a good fit thought it could be a fit not a potential fit you learn a lot when you you get them to campus um but, but I would say, yeah, I, I think it's never easy to get good player to national championship-level players. You can't just settle for the guys in Virginia. You've got to beat the bushes. You know, Rhodes would always say, make the most calls, drive the most miles. That's that's how we've done it. My, my assistant assistants doing an unbelievable job, and I've got great continuity with Dave Matero being with me for the last seven years. Mm. and um, And then our guys develop and they stay. You know, somebody asked me like, "What? How does the portal work?" I don't know. I, I we haven't had a player in the portal.
0: I was going to ask you that question. Like the portal wreaks havoc in Division One, typically. Right. Division and Three, I guess a little bit, but not at random. A Imagine. little
1: hasn't trickled down quite to the extent uh, where you you know you have three, four, five guys leaving each year. And and th- this is another reason why I feel fortunate is um you know they love the school, they feel like they're developing, they feel like they're growing, they feel like they're going to get a good opportunity after they graduate. Um. And so, that, you know, they, they love being on campus. They, they love being around their teammates, and, and that's that's the goal, right? Just be where your feet are and be there for four years. Make that commitment.
0: Uh, I have to ask about – we'll go back to Buzz for a second. Buzz was the Odek
1: Player of the Year four years yeah. in a
0: row. Nobody's ever done that before. How did he do that at such a young age? Yeah. I the mean, first time he won it.
1: No one had done it. Uh, no one had been a three time ODAC player of the year. It's, uh, so how did he do it as, well, here's, I mean, this is a great story too, but he did not get the ODAC freshman of the year. Typically, you know, uh, so he, there was another player who averaged maybe 16 a game for Bridgewater that, um, they got it over buzz. And the way they used to announce it would be, so we finished as the one seed that year, his freshman year, um, and biggest upset, uh, lowest moment in my coaching career is uh, we're the one seed. We lose to the eight seed Eastern Mennonite. We're up fifteen in the second half, and we find ways to lose. I don't do a good job. We find ways to lose. Um, I'm, I'm not
0: trying to be funny. I didn't realize Eastern Mennonite had a basketball team. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, they were the eight seed that year. They had never beaten us in the tournament. They had never beaten us at home. They did both of them those year that year. Wow. Um, we finished 19 and eight. It's not like we had a bad team. which we weren't a buzzsaw. We weren't. Quite getting better. There were some bumps in the road. It was Buzz's freshman year. Buzz is trying to, you know, bring this group along, but it's hard as a freshman and we're playing some other good teams. So, anyways, before the game, we find out basically, like, as you go out, that, that's how they would announce it is before the game. Now, they've since changed it because I didn't think it was a good model. Yeah. And so now they do it the night before, but Buzz finds out right before the game, I'm not the rookie of the year, pissed them off. Um, I don't want to say it affected him, whatever. We just didn't play well. We lose. Um, but I knew, I mean, you know, as I've described Buzz, uh, the coaches by not voting in player of the year did us, did us a favor because his <laughs> payback the entire he, uh, next few you know, years, the yeah. next year he's the ODAC player. He goes from not being the rookie of the year and not getting any all league recognition, you know, doesn't get voted anything. He was our best player. Wow. Um, Two way player, our best defender. He wasn't our leading scorer that year, but he was clearly our best player. He emerged from December on, um, and uh, but the coaches didn't vote him, and so he comes comes back the next year, and he's he's a beast. and And the guys around him, to their credit too, you know, nobody's good alone. But um, we we had most of that team back. We only graduated one senior, and those juniors who were becoming seniors going into Buzz's sophomore year, they had a great summer, and those guys. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna lose in the if we lose in the Odacks, we're gonna have such a good body of work that we will get an at large bid, and that's exactly what happened. Because mm-hmm. we lost in the championship game. We had two two injuries. I won't say that's the only reason, but uh you know, we lost two starters basically. Um Yeah, that hurts. And uh but we were able to win two games in the NCAA tournament and lost in the sweet sixteen to Swarthmore, who went on to play in the national championship game that year.
0: Yeah. Uh Buzz he ended up doing five years because of COVID.
1: Is right. That, is that right? Exactly.
0: Um, and so, were there full five full seasons during his
1: tenure? His um, he played. We played twelve games. Uh, the the year, year last year, yeah, COVID yeah. year. Um, so, you know, basically the way it was set up was the NCAA did not define early enough. Will they give you a year back? So most students had to make a decision. And Buzz right away said, if there's a chance that I can't have a full senior year, then I'm I'm just going to take a gap year. So initially he was going to take a full gap year. He and David funderberg convinced his roommate David Funterberg to do this with him. Convinced his now wife Becca. She I don't know if he convinced her, but she did the same thing. So he's going to take the gap year, but halfway through the NCAA says everyone gets the year back. When that happened, he just took a gap semester. Mm. Came back in January. They were actually student assistants, Fundy and Buzz, for us, which was was pretty funny that first semester. Um, and so he got to play in those twelve games and you know uh, his senior year essentially not the fifth year but senior year
0: right and he was player of the year for those that 12 game right. season right
1: yeah <laughs> uh, player of the year and uh, you know we were still able to you know uh win an ODAC championship it was weird we were the fifth seed and so we went on the road and won three games on the road and then got to play trine for uh you know battle of unbeatens or maybe one versus two there were two at the time we were one and so that was really neat unique that, that we got to do that and uh you know, a lot of guys learned some things too through that year. That, that certainly served us. Some programs did not get those games, mm. and um, you know, I, I know that was huge for our learning.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you're not doing anything in that COVID year, it's almost two years of not playing uh, scheduled competition basketball yeah that's right yeah uh all right I know we've talked about buzz a lot I, I've got one more question about buzz what was the recruiting process like from your perspective to get buzz to come to Randolph-Macon we
1: we got let. we saw buzz as a junior because we were recruiting one of his seniors um kid that went to uh Coast Guard and uh Justin Kane it's funny because buzz says if, if we had gotten Justin Kane he probably wouldn't have come because like I guess they didn't hit it off as teammates so we're seeing this five eight guy that's just everywhere great motor um you know, just ultra competitive. It's hard not to miss. Like, every D3 would have loved to have Buzz. I mean, he was getting recruited by him. He kind of pushed a lot of them away. Um, it really kind of settled on St. Mary's, us. Uh, now, Patriots knew his name. He went to Bucknell's elite camp, Navy's mm-hmm. elite camp. Navy wanted him to go to their prep school. Buzz lost in high school. So he went to Archbishop Spalding, which was in a really good league, but he was getting his butts kicked because he's basically the best player. They don't even have any other division one guys they are going up against teams with three or four division one players. So he's losing. He you know, I think they went eight and something. Oof. Eight and twenty maybe. So he's looking at Navy who wasn't exactly didn't have a winning record and he's like, I cannot go somewhere and keep losing. Um, so that was you know, big uh attraction for us and then the coaching piece, you know, having the coaching tree I had both Nathan Davis, who was uh, at Bucknell at the time, reach out. Had Mike Rhodes reach out, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Man, this is this is pretty awesome." Sean McAloon, who's head coach of IMG National Team and a RMC alum, he reached out. So you know that that was that was a big part. But I'll never forget driving up, six a.m. workout at Spalding. I leave my house at four or fifteen to get there in time. He's the one opening the keys, opening the door. He's the one putting two or three guys through the workout. And it was. Uh, I'm just saying, man. If we get this guy, he's going to make everybody a better ball handler, if nothing else. And you know, he just made them all better players uh, and better workers. Wow.
0: And and what was it about Randolph making that? Well, the fact that you had a few people that were fairly well known in those circles reach yep. out to him. Was there anything else about Randolph? I that the was winning
1: attractive? tradition, but but definitely the coaching. He had, he had an offer from Catawba. Um, but uh, yeah, the winning tradition, and the coaching, and and you know, we hit it off, but. Um, I will say he went to St. Mary's. He didn't overnight. He, he there were a bunch of guys that had either quit or weren't as committed, and so he he didn't have that same sense. He liked the overnight with our guys. Felt like we had you know a committed group of guys. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so that that was huge.
0: Probably comes out pretty readily too. I imagine when a kid comes to school and spends uh, some time on campus.
1: Yeah, I mean you attract who you are, and that that's a big thing we talk about a lot. If. If I wanted a bunch of hard workers that were super committed, but I didn't have them in our program, I don't think we'd be attracting them either. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a great point. All right, uh, let's talk about the rest of the team. we talked a lot about Buzz. Tell <laughs> me about the rest of, uh, of your national championship. Team. Yeah,
1: I mean, it starts with, uh, so Miles Mallory, junior, All-American, All-American not as a sophomore, uh, Maryland guy, played in that same league. So MIAA, Pilate High School, uh, a tweener. You know, both those guys, you know, just uh for whatever reason. They said Buzz was too short, let's say. Um Miles is a six five, but doesn't play above the rim, but super skilled touch, set the blocks record. So in those two guys, you have the best um, defenders too. Guys that hunt competition. Miles is very unassuming. Uh he's seems not a very quiet, guy. speak to you unless you spoken to, but on the court, he's a killer. He just has an assassin mentality. Um, and he's had it. And he was a double digit scorer for us as a freshman. So he's come in and just been awesome from day one. And then Josh Talbert is another guy that was a double digit scorer as a freshman. You know, came in big and strong. He came to our elite camp as a sophomore. I just remember like, man, this guy's got a great frame for a sophomore. I'm asking him how he eats. He's like, doesn't eat sweets, candy, like super healthy, eats salad. I'm like, this kid is just built different. And um, you know, came down to us and seeing you. Another tweener though, like a six foot, six one um you know just kind of slipping through the cracks we say you know we want scholarship guys that slip through the cracks um so that you know those franchise guys those core and then we had some guys really emerge and will coble who started in a championship game in the final four was not playing as much early in the season it's been awesome to kind of see that progression him just get better defensively which is where he needed to grow daniel Bange who's going to be a fan favorite was a fan favorite this year northern virginia guy just a, a, a jack-of-all-trades, great rebounder, great nose for the ball. Uh, he was a starter for this team. And then, I mean, Ian Robertson could have started for most teams in the country, he came off the bench for us willingly. He, he's your lefty. The right? lefty. So let me yeah. let just say something about yep.
0: Ian real quickly. In that Elite Eight game and also in the championship game, yep. I, I watch a lot of basketball, you, you watch more than I do, but I, I watch enough to know that when, when you're in the second half of a game and a kid's about to throw up a three, you know whether it's going to go in or not. And with Ian, I'm like, every time he put up a three, I'm like, there's like a 90% chance these, th- these threes are going
1: in. For him. It, it, it was awesome to watch him go through the hoop. Great feeling when you think about that, you know, but you're right. I mean, every, you know, it doesn't make every shot, but everyone looks like it's going in. He's a 40% career three-point shooter. He came in freshman, um, you know, average 6.7 points a game as a freshman on a 27-win team. So mm. has always had the talent. There's another guy that had Division one recruitment. Nobody pulled the trigger. Um dialed in on us, did an overnight, had a great experience. I, I still remember his parents, um, awesome people, Carrie and Vince, after the national championship game, you know, we're, we're celebrating in the lobby and Carrie um, had always said, Ian would love it if he comes to you guys. So mom had always said that um, dad, a little more resistant. Dad wanted to see him go play at the highest level, but dad right there was just, you know, coach, I'm glad you stayed with us. I'm glad you were patient, you know, cause he didn't commit until like mid April. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we, we couldn't have envisioned him having a better career anywhere else. So that was, you know, I'm like, can we can we get that on on voice <laughs> recording and start sending it out to these other parents that um you know feel like level status is at what what you're seeking and uh you know having that impact and and getting him to be able to just be a winning piece because he started games in his career, but he, here was a guy. I mean, it's a perfect example of. Um, how our guys just came together and embraced who they were their role whatever it was it was like as long as we're winning coach i I'll, I'll, I'll trust you and play whatever role you have for me Funderburg is another guy that we haven't talked about yet but same way you know started i think every game his senior year you know that covid year and uh, and started a bunch of games this year but it was like who's playing best you know um almost like a pro team if you look at teams playing in a series right now right. they'll change uh starting lineups game to, from game 1 to game 6 and uh, we had that flexibility. Now, most colleges don't do it because of the egos and the hurt. And, oh, if I do that, I'm going to lose this guy. With Ian and Fundy and even Daquan, you just never had that. I, I had complete trust that, hey, guys, I'd tell them in the shoot-around, hey, I'm going to go with Cobal. I think he f- gives us a better chance. I think he guards this guy better. Whatever, coach. Yeah, I don't care. Team first. Team, yeah. Yeah. We trust you.
0: No, that's that's uh, awesome. I, I have to say that uh, – Watching the one game in person that I did, in the one game on you, the championship game, I, I knew you guys were winning a lot of games uh, by a, by a lot, du- du- many double digit uh, leads and and finals. And uh, it's it's always nerve wracking when the game's close to the beginning. I'm like, are they going to they going to stretch it out? <laughs> and eventually, it's either late in the first half or early in the second half. You do stretch it out, yeah. and it it's it couldn't have been nerve-wracking for you as a fan watching i'm like well this seems easy now that they're up yeah 22
1: yeah well definitely not nerve-wracking i mean because um yeah i don't uh i get nervous maybe right before like anybody you know the uh, anthems playing and uh you know you get a little bit butterflies i I get that uh you start, start doing my breathing but you know once you get in game you just you control what you can um and you start to get a certain rhythm for that i will say even in championship we're up 30 i did not relax until let under a minute i kind of remember the moment with like buzz coming off the floor josh coming off the floor us being able to share a hug over there but it you know i I look at it now and i'm kind of loud. it's like we were up 30 but that's just how we had been wired of just coach every possession um you know coach what you see i i I work hard not to look at the score obviously i knew we were up big but um you know that's kind of the mindset is let's Let's uh, play to the standard. Let's not worry about the score. The score will take care of itself, Um, and so that that helps.
0: Play like you're tied or you're behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Play, yeah, exactly.
0: All right. So you talk about kids falling through the cracks to Division three. I had somebody. I told somebody that I work with it. I was that was unusual. That's never happened. But we're still recording. We're good. Just for our listening audience, the power went out in the entire house for about a second or two. That was uh, unusual. Yeah, so uh, I was talking to this guy at work, and he says, uh, Division three basketball players are very, very talented, especially at the highest level, the, the national championship level. Uh, there's just something that w- was off when they were being recruited, typically. Usually height, I'm guessing. But uh, I, I don't know. You, you tell me. Why do these kids fall through the cracks? Because if you look at your players, and look, I, I will say this. The the team was fantastic, but you've also got some really good players. Yeah. Why why are they not in a Division two program or Division one even?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you let's if we were going to take Buzz for instance, but but athletically, physically, th- those are some of the reasons. So you know, guys have some gaps, and some people may never close them. Like for me, six one, um, not physically imposing, not fast. I, I was not a scholarship level player. I'm not helping anybody win the league. That's the other thing. So even while you might be good enough to play at that level, they're looking at your athleticism, your ceiling. Can you help us win the league? Can Buzz help us win the Patriot League? And all those coaches were saying no. And then there's a bunch of groupthink that, uh, okay, he was at Bugnell's league camp. They don't think he's good enough. Uh, he was at Navy. They don't think he's good enough. We can't take him. So you have that groupthink mm. that does go on a lot. Uh, you know, people make mistakes recruiting. Like Division Three, we get to see a lot more kids, I think, than they do now with all the um, dead periods and, and – um, they don't have as many opportunities to go out and see kids. Hmm. Why, because the rules are that stringent? The rules are stringent. Um, you got big staff, so you, the one, as, a, as an assistant, okay? Uh, I would go see a kid. Let's say I see a kid in Chicago. Well, can I get my head coach to see that same kid in Chicago? It, you know, I see him on a good day. I send my coach, my coach flies out there. He sees him on a bad day. He's not good enough. Well, no, I think he's good enough, you know? Um, but, you know, especially high school kids, they're not always playing how, uh, you know, consistently. And so I just think a, a bunch of mistakes are made. Um, but I also think, you know, we got guys that are where they're supposed to be. And although, yes, Buzz could have played up, there's no doubt in my mind, he could have impacted winning in a lot of places. He knows that. I know that. Uh, anybody that knows basketball watches a play, like he signed with an agent. His agent, who does not have any other D3 guys, is like, I don't even see him as a D3 guy. Like, this guy can play, and five years from now, no one's going to know that he was a Division three player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he um, – but it doesn't mean he didn't end up going where he should go because, you know, he had an unbelievable career that uh, not many people can say they had.
0: Oh, well, he had a fantastic career. I mean, he, he's going to look back the rest of his life with extremely fond memories of his time at randolph Megan. Yeah. Uh, all right. So weird question time. Uh, there's no way to transition to this uh, smoothly. Uh, but this is a question we ask most of our guests. Uh, and you, did we do this with Pedro? I don't know that, that we did this with Pedro. We probably we may not have been doing this question back then. All right, you're a talk show host. It can be late night, it can be daytime. You only you only get to be the host for one show though. You get three or four guests, and mm. you'll understand the three or four here in a second. Mm-hmm. One male, one female, uh, a musical group, uh, and or a comedian. They can be alive or dead. They can be famous or not famous. They can be people you know or people you don't know. But and you can, uh, the show can be educational. The show can be entertaining. It can be thought provoking. It's whatever
1: you want it to be. Mm. Who are your three or four guests? Holy smoke, man.
0: <laughs> this is meant to be uh, a little more uh, revealing about who you are. As
1: a I, I will say the, the one that I, de- Jerry Seinfeld is going to be the comedian. Okay. Uh, love everything about that guy. He'd be hilarious. He'd have us rolling. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted you know, Kobe when I think of having an, an elite athlete and being able to learn from him. So whether it was Kobe or Michael, I could go either way on those guys. I also think Charles Barkley would be very funny. But anyways, I'm already giving you too many guests. So. Well, Barkley
0: could be the stand-up, too, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he's
1: great. Um, ah, singer, group, and then and a female as well um, – that one's tough. I, I, uh, the first one I'm thinking of is like Shania Twain. I, I loved uh, her music, so okay. um, that, I haven't listened to that in a long time. But, but you but like at, But at one point, yeah, yeah, I was listening to Shania. Um, probably my first concert that I ever went to. So maybe, maybe we'll bring her into the mix. And um, man, does that does that cut it? Is that
0: you want to use her as both the
1: musical and the female? I'll use her as the female for sure. So if I was going musical. Um. Oh, I'd probably bring Bob Marley in there because I love reggae music.
0: Bob Marley was a man before his time. He was amazing.
1: <laughs> amazing. Yeah. All right. You. Uh, we've talked about a lot of people that have had an
0: influence on uh, your life in general and your basketball life. Uh, are there some folks that we have not talked about that have had an influence?
1: Mm, um. Yeah. Because I mentioned Kevin Sutton, my, my high school uh, my high school coach, Stu Vetter was my my varsity coach. Uh, certainly had an influence. I mean, really, like uh, my my childhood. My you know, mom and dad, um, my siblings and uh all, all eight of them all eight of them but uh you know certainly dad his work ethic uh how he you know just he never stopped moving he's still not you know he's still going um 82 years old uh would come to the games would hop in the car would do anything for his kids um you know just the rock of our family and uh, learned so much from him and and most of it just his example um you know he's, he's got a bunch of uh Merkelisms we'll say but um I think one of his favorites was and, and I share it with our guys too but uh, things done by half are never done right basically mm. um, and that was that 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 has stuck with me to this day uh, you know he'd make me go back and do it if it wasn't done hundred percent go back and do it
0: and you are who you are today because of that in part oh yeah uh, talk about Randolph making as a uh, as a school and as a support uh Entity for the basketball team. What does Randolph making as a college man to the basketball team? The
1: community has been awesome. I mean, they're behind our guys. Um, you, know, you just got – I mean, you think about Barkley in the bookstore and how she knows, you know, our guys who they're dating and the guys that have come before she us. May,
0: she may know too much. She does. She probably does <laughs> know too much.
1: And she knows not to reveal it all to me as well. But, um, you know, just how they've embraced even, you know, Morgan, the kids, um, you know, uh, in the dining hall, you know, that, that people will know my kids' names when we walk in there. Um, it's just a great place to be I think you have a bunch of people that love being around young people that love being around uh, successful people uh, you know I think there's a culture there being in the center of the universe that um, you know unless you're there it's hard to describe it's hard to explain I think maybe even the size of the school has been great um, and and I was trying to describe this but you know when you have people that you like being around being at a small school is a great thing because you see more of those people uh, or you get to see those people more and more yeah, uh, it's it's been a special place.
0: What about the uh, town of Ashland? Is that is there? What's the relationship like between the town? So of Ashland? so
1: growing up on a farm, you know, I'm not a city guy. I I would be terrible in New York City or wherever else. Like I love like Ashland is my speed. Uh, it's perfect. Like we've gone to that movie theater that we love. It's great that it's uh, reopened.
0: We, it's awesome. It's re-open. awesome.
1: Like love that place. Uh, we love Iron Horse. We love the Caboose. Uh, we love Origin. Like just um you know that that area right there by the train tracks. It's a great area to raise a family raise kids we have a great neighborhood um you know love being able to bring them to campus see the other sporting events you know whether it's soccer baseball football games have been awesome um you know pedro's recruiting my boys all the time uh trying to get them to eat vegetables uh got a special (laughs) relationship really with with a lot of the coaches on campus you know with Bray hedrick and josh lux to name a few it's been uh just an awesome community
0: yeah, uh, let's let's uh, end with talking about your, your wife and your uh, three boys.
1: Yeah, well, she said as I was leaving, don't be afraid to brag about her. <laughs> um, I mean, she, so we've been married now eight years, coming up on our ninth, uh, nine-year anniversary. Met at Salisbury, like I said. Um, she did not see a single basketball game until we started dating. Like she, you know, so it's probably a perfect marriage, perfect fit in that, uh, you know, she was – calling the shot clock the shot clock for probably her first four years uh and but it has grown you know to, to learn uh, a lot about the game um I, I knew I was in trouble year four when uh you know we'd lose a game and she would start giving me some coaching advice I said goodness <laughs> gracious man now I'm in trouble she's only been watching for four years but um she uh it, it's she's been awesome like you know to raise the three boys coach is gone you know I'm I'm I, there's there's people ask about balance there's no balance but there are rhythms and mm-hmm. so we we've we've found our rhythm of in season um and she's a military brat so she's used to kind of doing things on her own and um she can do that it doesn't mean she loves doing it that way and then uh, and then the boys have just been awesome like to be able to you know pick Maddox up to the press conference and cut down some nets um I don't know that he's gonna remember any of this stuff uh I like to think that Mason will um I will tell one great story about Mason, but a uh, couple years ago, he's down there in Salem with us. Um, oh, uh, The ODAC tournament, we haven't won one yet. We got the championship game, and Mason is, uh, because Morgan is running around with the other one, Mason is like with the team. So he thinks he's one of the guys, and uh, we're in the film session, and we're getting ready. It's the day of the game, the day of the championship. Vauez is in it, and uh, again, I, we haven't even won one yet. Um, so this is, you know, it's a big deal. I'm probably a little tighter than I, than I need to be. And, uh, we're in the film session and the, the lights are off and the whole team is in the hotel room. We're watching some film and, uh, Mason like puts his hand up. We're like six clips in. And I'm like, uh, I try to ignore it. <laughs> a couple more clips go by. And uh, how old is he? He's four years old at the time. Okay. And he goes, uh, and I still right like, he kind of like stammered, stuttered with it. He's like, dad, 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 how about, uh, how about, how about we just get the ball to buzz and he scores? <laughs> it's not a bad approach. <laughs> and and our scene, I still remember Kent Gilgrove going, Mason, that's pretty much what we do. And the, the room was just breaking up. And he was just uh, – he loosened that. Or if if those guys were already loose, then he loosened me up enough. Yeah, and no, uh, we cool. go on to, you know, win that game and – you know, have been pretty good ever since.
0: That's a fantastic story.
1: That's great. He's only four for that. Four years old. He's a future coach. Just get a good player and get him the ball.
0: Yeah. Well, he's grown up in your house. I imagine there's a chance that he becomes a basketball coach.
1: He might. He might. He's, he's definitely into it. Well, the, I mean, the other thing is when I finally told Mason, like, I waited like three years to coach him on anything. You know, I don't want to be honest what I do. So, And I'm like, hey, Mason. You might want to just freeze that finish, I'm telling him on the shot. And he goes, Dad, Dad, Dad. This is the first time I gave him any coaching. He goes, Dad, you don't know anything about basketball. I will teach you. <laughs> What's he talking about? This is my least coachable kid <laughs> is, at the, is the three-year-old at the house.
0: <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. Hey, well, Josh, I really appreciate you doing this tonight. You didn't have to do it. I appreciate you taking the time to tell the story. Congratulations on a fantastic year. I mean, just just an amazing ride that you guys are on. I was glad to watch uh, some of it. Uh, and, man, I, I hope you guys repeat next year.
1: Well, uh, well, thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, amazing setup here. Uh, I don't know how you've nailed this interview with no notes. Uh, i I'm really impressed <laughs> with the approach. Um, Silent Rob probably has a lot to do with it as well. But uh, it's it's been awesome. I remember listening to Pedro and knowing that he's been here for as long as he's been and thinking, man, I got another eight years or so before I get on the center of the universe podcast. So I'm glad that we fast forwarded it by winning some games and um, man, please to anybody listening to, um, you know, like you said, you weren't able to get out until uh, to see a game until late, whatever we can do to get more people just coming by. I always say, if we lose, don't come back. But um, it, it is a really fun environment. We love when the community comes out and supports.
0: Very cool. It's a, it's a good thought to end on. Thanks yes. for doing this, Josh.
1: You got it. Thanks guys. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.